Welcome to the Rooted Legacy Podcast. At Laurel Branch Church of God, we are devoted to developing an environment of engagement with Yahweh and hosting His presence attentively. Our hope is to help others become rooted in beloved identity and further the kingdom of God on this earth. From Pastor Seth Klein and the congregation at Laurel Branch Church of God, we hope this message brightens your day and changes your life. We pray that God blesses you and all that you do. Thanks for listening. Where do I begin? I really don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I just wish that, listen to me, I wish I could just take this off right now and just let you walk right into what I'm seeing right now. Because uh, I know that right now I cannot adequately explain to you what the Lord's saying right now, continually. There's a conversation right now here. There's a continuation of a conversation and it's going on right here. I'm gonna be, let me share one thing with you that the Lord spoke to me during worship. He said, many do not encounter the heart of the Father because they don't pursue it hard enough. Many of us go through life without encountering the heart of the Father because we do not pursue it hard enough. We, we continue to sit and, and fret inside of the pig pen with our feet in the mud, unwilling to move, knowing that there is a loving, good, good Father waiting for us if we will just come up out of the muck and that mire and cross that fence and start our way home. But there are many within the church that never encounter the heartbeat of God the Father because they do not pursue it hard enough. We pursue it haphazardly, we pursue it in pretense, we pursue it in appearance, but we do not pursue it with a vigor and with a, with a desire or the de- devotion to where we will get up out of our place and out of our seat and we will begin to move our feet on a road back home to pursue the presence of the Father. I'm telling you though, but once you go home and you encounter the presence of the Father, you never ever from that day forward leave the presence of the Father because who He he is never leaves you from that day forward. Home. Everybody thinks that when I say home, I'm talking about a physical location. And I will share with you later this afternoon or later in here in the next few moments how this physical location has a very spiritual destination. Somebody say that with me. This physical location has a very spiritual destination, a very real spiritual destination. And it will take you into different and greater dimensions. Okay? How do we pursue higher dimensions? Pursue the word within that statement or that question. You cannot remain on. Okay. They build a space shuttle. And they put all the technology that they can come up with into that space shuttle. Knowing that when everything clicks and comes together in sequence the way that it's supposed to. It will project that shuttle and every man and woman on the inside of that shuttle into a dimension called space. Hmm? There are things that need to align up inside of you and fall 
follow in sequence. And when that happens, there will be something on the inside of you that will project you into deeper dimensions and you will begin to explore dimensions of heaven without ever having to leave the earth. Thy, he- thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay? But if that guy does not push that button, nothing will happen. That space shuttle will sit here and remain on planet earth and they will never see what they were destined to see in deeper dimensions. Why? Because they had to pursue it. And guess what happens? Through the whole process of creating this space shuttle was the pursuit. But the pursuit could not end without pushing the button. We cannot sit and not push the button because we were destined for a place that is not of this earth. But it's not that we have to leave the earth to experience home. We have to get into such a relationship that the Father sends home into our experience here on this earth. I could shut up and go home right there. And I could. Because I just preached you a word from God. And it's up to you to what you do with it. Not me. I'm just the messenger and I'm the deliverer. I can see, listen, here, let me, let me put this into analogy. I love analogies. Hmm? Jesus, the Bible calls them parables. I call them analogies. This is not an envelope for the sake of my illustration. It's an envelope, right, Jimmy? Amen. In the witness of two or three, don't debate it. This is an envelope. And there is nothing actually in my hand, but let's, for the sake of the illustration, say that I am putting a million-dollar check inside of this envelope, and I have the resources to do so. And I seal it up, and I write your address on it, and I put a stamp on it. I do everything necessary to make sure this ends up in your hands. If you don't open it, it's your fault. You missed out on a million dollars that could absolutely have changed your world, but you did not open what I sent you. I'm just the messenger. Hmm? You can put it on a desk if you want to. You can put it in your Bible if you want to. I'll give you one. I gave a, a, I gave a relative a check one time. They put it in a Bible. No, 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 no. Let me, let me, let me, it wasn't me. It was a relative, however. A relative of mine received a Bible. And inside that Bible, the person that sent them the Bible had wrote them a check for like a hundred bucks. It wasn't a lot, but it was a pretty good amount of money. And it was somewhere like four or five years later, they decided to open that Bible and found this check. And guess what? All of a sudden, they were really excited. And they wanted. They called this person and said, hey, sorry, but we didn't find this check. Can you write us another one? I'm sure they did. And I don't know how the story ended. That's where I left the story. But, but it's not our fault as messengers. Okay. You fall into the same category. You could tell people about Jesus all day long, but it's up to them to do something with it, okay? But if we do not open it up and we do not apply it and we do not take what is given to us, let's say a million dollars. If I am in debt and, and, and for the, by the grace of God I receive enough to pay off my debt and then some, but I refuse and fail to open up the message, the envelope. To still set and squander in my own pig pen is my own fault. 
okay? I've preached over the last couple of weeks that people help you get into your pig pen, but nobody keeps you there but you. Friends and family, the family facade will help you find yourself lost in a pig pen. That's not oxymoronic. It means they help you find your destination. They help you find your way to the pig pen. But if you remain there, they have not a hand in you remaining there. It's your own fault to remain in your pig pen. And here's the thing. Here's, here's something funny that the Lord, I hit, really, the Lord shared this with me. He said, you ever wonder what's really going on when you've taught something for the last five months and then somebody comes and says, I've never heard it that way? You didn't know. You never heard it that way because you never listened. My kids do me that way. Huh? Well, they say they never heard me when I tell them to clean the room. Well, I didn't hear you. It's funny. It's funny what we hear and what we choose not to hear. Because, see, a lot of times when I tell them to clean that room, it means that I'm, ex I'm, I'm expecting them to accept responsibility. See, I didn't help them make a mess in the room, right? Our, our third child will always say, I can't, it's too much, I can't do it by myself. But he made the mess 90 times, 9 times out of 10 by himself. Hmm? But see, that's a child's mentality. And it's time that some of us grow up and start living with a child's mentality. Because see, that mess, we made it. And it's time that we take the initiative and clean it up. And start to straighten them. No, I don't believe that you can ever make anything out of your life apart from Jesus. I tell people that all the time. Well, I need to fix myself. And I tell them, you're not going to do it. You're going to make more of a mess out of your life trying to fix it yourself. You know how I know this? Look at the condition you're living in now. And that is all your fault. But we live in a society to where we have normalized the fact that I can point fingers at everyone else and blame them for my failures and blame them uh, for, for my disconnect and blame them for the destruction in my life and blame them for every catastrophe that I have experienced. But guess what? Sometimes you chose to go down the wrong road and you ended up in a collision that would have never happened if you would have listened to the guidance of the Spirit that said, don't go that way. Sometimes we've got, to, we've got to incline our ear to the heart of God. The heart of God is the will of the Father in our lives. And I have seen people absolutely destroy their lives and their marriages and their families and their homes because they did not want to follow the will of the Father in their lives. Guess what? When I lived in my daddy's house when I was 17, 18, 19 years old I had a reverential fear of that man because I still lived in his home and he provided me a roof and he fed me at his table and he paid a lot of the time for my gas in my truck and I had to adhere to his word but guess what we grow up as adults and say I don't have to adhere to nobody's word but my own if you ain't going to adhere to a father's word don't you dare take from his pocket 
I don't have to listen to that. You know what? I, I said that to my daddy a couple of times. Guess what? He showed me the door. You have to listen, but you don't want to. But if you don't want to, you really don't. You're right there's the door. But in this roof, you listen. Under this house, under this roof, and in this house, you listen. That's, that's the church mentality. I don't have to listen to what the preacher preaches. I don't even got to apply it to my life. I, I believe what I believe. I, and listen, <laughs> so what? Believe it. Come debate me, though. I, I promise you. you and I, I am man enough and humble enough. If you prove me wrong, then I'm going to admit it. Promise you. Promise you. And I've, I've given that invitation. And not, not that I think I'm superior. Believe me, I don't think I'm superior. But I will have people that will completely try to argue with me and manipulate the scripture in order to hear. And here's what the, the Lord gave me this word, pliable theology. You know what pliable is? It's flexible. It's bendable. It's moldable. Play-Doh is pliable. Guess what happens when you take Play-Doh that is a big distorted clump and you put it into a mold it begins to take on the very dimensions of that mold because it's pliable you can make that play-doh look to how you and you can make that play-doh look how you want it to look we have a theology that is pliable but it's not applicable big difference i can i can i can ply i can i can flex it and, and mold it and move it and shape it however I want to, but it's not applicable. I don't care to say it. I read a, a post of uh, about some celebrations going on with a bunch of different colors and how they were proud of the stance because so many people were bullied and beaten and killed and murdered and fired and Yada, 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 yada. And, 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 and a righteous indignation rose up in me, but a, a kind of the, uh, yeah, so I had to pray about it. And the Lord said it's not worth it. And so, but really what I wanted to say is, okay, that, that there is, that's pliable. That's pliable. Because Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, right? But not to be so arrogant in the love of yourself that you absolutely cannot love appropriately or adequately your neighbor. There's a big difference there. And we manipulate it, okay? It also says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, and soul. And that was the first and most important commandment. Hmm? Amen? So, apart from that, I'm going to go and say the second commandment is actually useless. To love your neighbor as yourself. Because you can love your neighbor as yourself, but if you don't really have the love of God and the love for God, it's useless. And, it make, and here's the thing about it. You know where this love comes from? It actually comes from rejection. But you know what happens to rejection? Once it spoils and becomes sour, it then becomes a demanding for you to accept it. Here's what I mean, let me, you reject me, you reject me, you reject me, you reject me. I can't handle rejection, okay? Where, where are you coming at, Pastor? I'm coming from the inability to handle rejection for a lot of years. I'm rejected, I'm rejected, I'm rejected, I'm rejected, I'm rejected, I'm rejected. Well, you know what? I'm going to demand somebody to accept me the way I am. And they can go to hell if they don't like it. See what happens? Bitterness 
of rejection, once it is soured and becomes an abscess, rises up as a boil in life and demands people to accept them what they once rejected. And it's not that they rejected you. People look and say, well, they rejected me. No, they just did not, they just did not conform to your lifestyle and they did not condone of the way that you live. That's not rejection. I'm not rejecting you. I'm just not participating in a lifestyle that I believe is non-conducive to the spirit. It's pliable. And we have pliable theology in the church. Okay, let me explain something here to you. And then the Holy Spirit began to teach me about something because in a moment I said, well, you know what? I'm not going to spend my money in that city no more. I'll just go down the road to somewhere else. And he said, that's it. Go ahead. Maybe I would send you into that city to be a light where there is none. Because of a, if a city is wicked, it's actually the consequence of there being no light in that city. And church, if you're supposed to be the light of the world, we're failing. Hmm? Do you know what happens to a city when the light of the world begins to come together and illuminate themselves together with, an, with, 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 with a radiance that cannot be explained, an incomprehensible radiance? The darkness has no excuse. It's, it seizes. To have its power. So you know what I believe? I believe that every time a city begins to grow darker. More Christians need to gather together. And go into that city and begin to share the light. Because see in the presence of the light. There is no darkness. Because darkness defined is the absence of light. And if a city is evil. And becoming more evil every day. It's because there's less and less light within that city. Do you know why there's no, there's no light shining in the city? Because there's no light shining within the church. Why? Because church, the, the church has failed to uh, erect a thing called the cross where if he be lifted up, they will draw, he will draw all men unto him. Do you understand that the reason that we can't get Christ into the, the center of that community is because Christ is not in the center of this community? Do you know what the definition of community is? It's not where you live. It's actually how you live. Community, the definition of community is a group of people living in the same place or having a particular char characteristic in common. Some synonyms as groups, selection, body, company, set, circle, clique, uh, ring, a band. The definition is a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. So a community is not where you live, it's actually how you live within the community where you live. And if you're not living the way that you're supposed to be, there's no light in your life. And you can't be the light unto a community that is plagued with darkness. Why? Because you're not living in community. So you want to know why there's an emphasis on community calls yet Christ in the center? Because it's not really that community that needs Christ in the center. It's this community, a.k.a. also known as the church, that is missing Christ at its center. Do you know what another word or a synonym for center is? Core. Do you know what core is? It's the, it's the epicenter of something that is where everything else is built upon it. 
Everything else is attached to what is seemingly the core of whatever it may be, whether it is an individual or whether it is a community. And if Christ is not the core of the community, we will never be able to take Christ adequately into a community where which we live. Come on, somebody better say amen because I'm preaching way better than y'all receiving. And I don't say that arrogantly. I'm telling you right now, I know what the Lord is speaking, and I know that right now I do not have, I do not have, appreciate that Holy Spirit, I probably shouldn't have said that one. I, I don't want to reap the, ben, the, the consequences of me not applying what the Lord is saying right now. And let me tell you this, do you not, we have got to understand that if we are dealing with a darkness, it's because we ourselves have not been filled with light. Come on, somebody better than I'm telling you, come on. Hmm? Light of the world? Do you not understand that the church is a community? The church is the community. The church is, listen to what I'm about to say to you. The church is supposed to be the model and the pattern whereby that community begins to, begins to shape and image itself as. Let me go a little bit further. Told you I was going to get on a physical address, right? What's the physical address of this church? 555. Three fives in sequence. Five is the number for grace. Three is the number for divine fullness. I believe that there is a seat called the fullness of divine grace. That is a throne that is going to be given to sons. And when sons are seated on the throne that is representative of divine fullness of grace, they will begin to receive an authority to reign within their community with grace. Let me go a little bit further. Y'all with me? Fives are symbolic of grace. Three symbolic of divine fullness or perfection. There's a lot of stuff here, and I promise you, if you will listen to me and apply this again, I'm, I'm sending you a check, it's stamped, it's written, it, there's no return address, so you can't send it back to me. His word will not come back void, you got me? It's up to us to what we do with it. Three is also symbolic to new life, or a newness of life. Can I prove it? Yes, I can. Thank you for asking. The third day, Yeshua rose again and changed the course of history for mankind, for humanity. He, by grace, reconciled sons back to the Father. He reinstated them that they could come and be in right standing with the Father. He bestowed upon them the grace to stand in righteousness. Through grace. Through grace. Let me see where I need to go here. 555 Laurel Branch Road is symbolic to the divine fullness or perfection of grace. Okay, let me explain something here to you for a moment. If you can, if I can, let me have three volunteers. Who wants to volunteer? Larry, Brian, and Jason. Somebody gets to be the center C or the center five. 
Okay, I, I, while, he, while they're moving up here, I want you to see that there are three men skewed up here just a little bit. I want you all to get in a line across this sanctuary. I'm, and there, there are three things represented in three men. There are three hearts or three centers that are represented in three men. The word for heart is cardia, which literally means the physical center or the center of all physical and spiritual life. Okay, here's, here's a little bit of nugget. Our route number is 7 over 4, which means what? Spiritual perfection presiding over earthly matters. I believe that out of this place of seededness and out of a seededness of heart, I should say, that things will begin to take place. Now, I want to share with you that community calls community. We always think that community out there in the place in which we live, but it's actually a community is how we live, okay? The same community I talked about a little bit ago defines themselves according to a lifestyle in which they live. Hmm? Everybody with me on that? Hmm? So there has got to be a Christian community, a group of people that define themselves in a lifestyle or by a lifestyle in which they live. We live after a pattern of Christ, which means that Christ has got to be the core and the center of how we live our lives. Before we can ever impact that community, we've got to allow, we've got to understand that Christ and the, Him being centered within us has got to impact us as a community. Therefore, until we are impacted as a community by the way we live our lives and the lifestyle in which we live, we will never be able to impact that community because guess what? The other lifestyle, the LBGTQ, ABC, whatever community it is, are impacting. Guess who? I'm just, let, I, give me the grace, Lord. I'm going on with it. Guess who they're trying to impact? Children. Why? Because they're trying to expand their influence. Why? Because they're trying to increase their community. Why? Because numbers in community means power. Guess who we're not affecting? The children in our community. Salah. Why? Because there's no fathers in the community. There's no fathers in home. There's no fathers in church. And guess what happens when there's no fathers? There is no order. Now, mothers, you do a great and fine job. But I'm telling you, listen, we've got to understand that there is an order in the community. And it is a divine ordained order of God, the Father. Salah. Now, who are we impacting? Nobody. Who were they impacting? Everybody. Why? They believe in their lifestyle. They believe that they have the right to rejoice and celebrate because people have died. People have been beaten. People have been bullied. People have been fired from their position because of a lifestyle that they live. But guess what? There's Christian bakers that are going to court and fighting for their livelihoods because they would not bake a cake for someone that chose a different lifestyle and they demanded it to be accepted. Hmm? And some of us are accepting it. Well, there's just nothing you can do. Let that darkness invade your life and let your candle go out. Guess what? You're virtually useless. Somebody needs to get back into the old Sunday school room and sing this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. I'm not going to let the devil blow it out. 
I'm not going to let him blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. I'm not going to hide it under a bush. Y'all getting some BBS right now. I'm going to blow my light out, devil. Shut up. No, I love her. She just, she gets that from me. That's sarcasm. I'm not going to hide it under the bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Guess what? You're sitting in the bushel right now. Because most of us, when we hit that door, aren't living the same lifestyle that we did in here. And it shows because you're not shining. Guess what? I can't see you because you're in the darkness. Hmm? So who are we impacting? Nobody. Who are they impacting? Everybody. Why? Because they're shining a facade. Love and acceptance. No, it's demanding that we accept. And I'm not talking about just that community. I'm talking about every community. I'm talking about the atheist community. I'm talking about the Muslim community. I'm talking about the community that just don't know who they are. But guess what? That community is us because we don't know who we are. We're lost somewhere on the road of perdition or the road, the prodigal road, whichever road we choose, it don't matter. We don't know who we are because we haven't pursued our way home to the heart of the Father. We have not been given the choice and best road, a ring of authority and shoes that has ordered our steps because we just don't know who we are. It's Father's Day and somebody better get a hold of the revelation that you're sons and daughters. Who are we impacting? Nobody. Who are they impacting? Everybody. Why? Because less than 1% of the entire population has impacted everything. That, and it has also directly impacted my life. Because they have determined that I can't live my life as openly as they live theirs. Hmm? Oh, I'm just afraid to tell everybody I'm a Christian for the backlash. I don't want to make nobody mad. I don't want nobody to think I'm a homophobe. I don't want anybody to think I am, I'm, I'm, I'm against Muslims. I'm not, I'm not against humanity. I'm against people that come in and demand for me to sit down and sulk in my own misery while they spit upon me, while they urinate on me, while they kick me while I'm down. Guess what? There was a man named Yeshua that went through all of that so that we could be resurrected as sons in glory and have authority over the earth because it's the cosmos that wait in earnest desire for the manifestation of who? The sons of God. It's not a what, it's a who. And you belong to the who. Whosoever. Hmm? Now who are we impacting? Nobody. Why? Because we're not living a life centered around the middle five. His grace is sufficient. Now, we are 555. I told you that the physical address had a spiritual destination. The physical address, the spiritual destination for this physical address will land you at an address called I Am Beloved Son. Grace 555. These also represent three hearts. When you give unto somebody, how can I prove this? When he saw the multitudes and that they were hungry, Jesus had compassion upon them. And he took bread and fish and he broke it and distributed unto them. 
He met their needs, but he met their needs because he had compassion. What, was, what, what does this equate to? Compassion, meeting their needs, comes together in a thing called, or through a thing called grace. He distributed grace unto those in whom he had compassion to. So you cannot distribute grace unto anyone in whom you have not had compassion for. And because you have compassion, you have heartfelt sincerity for them. So out of the heart is where grace is bestowed. Amen? So there's three graces here. There's three representations here. There is Christ in the center. And he is the center between church and community. But guess what? When these three things come together. And they are centered around the one thing. Which is the cross. And the Christ upon the cross. Then these two things come together. And begin to look like the one thing. Five, five, five. I hope somebody getting it like I see it. Hmm? Because when we begin to see them through the lens of grace, I can't tell the difference between community and church because community and church look like one another and the community and church look like Him because He is the very image that is shining bright within both entities called the community and the church. Why? Because we needed to get seated in the heart of God. And when the heart of God is centered in the heart of community and in the heart of church, they will begin to beat simultaneously in the same rhythm as the heart of God. And his name is Yeshua. I'm preaching this morning. Christ in the center of community. But if he is not in the center of our community. With the, in the lifestyle in which we live. He will never be the center of the community in where we live. Why? Because you can never live outside or apart from him. You're dead. Hmm? There's no light in you hmm? because you're not in Jesus and Jesus is not in you. Come on. Come on. You can vote Republican and you can vote Democrat all you want to. You can vote because of somebody's policy. But until we start identifying ourselves as beloved sons and daughters of the Father and we allow our heart to beat simultaneously in the, in the rhythm and sequence and in, 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 in the same rhythm and sequence as the Father's heart, we will never be able to see spiritual perfection, listen to me, presiding over earthly matters. Most of you know that in January I went into the state capitol, the heart of the state. And I opened up a prayer over for, for, for the fact of, for, for, a, for religious freedoms. I've never told anybody this, but every time I walk, every time I drive through Charleston, which is quite frequent, I pray over that city from the time I enter it to the time I leave it. And I project my prayers towards the heart of the Capitol. And it is that golden domed building where everybody makes our laws. But guess what? There is one law. And it is the law of grace that will preside over earthly matters. And I believe that our state has been forgotten, but it has not been overlooked. I believe this state is a treasure hidden in a field. And Jesus has covered it up because he's getting ready to buy the whole land. Come on. Why? Because I pray for the heart. What does scripture say? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. Now, this is not going to be long. I, this ain't my notes either, boys. Y'all right back there if you want to take a gander at them. Five, five, 
5. Y'all thought those were the only notes I had, didn't you? No, sir, I don't. I don't. 555, when the heart of Christ is centered between the heart of community and the church, then they'll appear as the same. 555, you won't be able to tell yourself apart from him. You won't be able to tell yourself apart from him. And you will both look identical just like him. Sons of God. Amen. I'm preaching. I'm preaching. I know I am. I I don't need you to tell me. I'm telling you. But I love your amens. Okay, don't take me so serious. Out of the heart will the mouth speak, right? Scripture. Our hearts being filled with the fullness of life will result in us speaking life into a dead and barren community. Let me explain. The word in the Greek for heart is cardia. Same word where we get cardiac arrest. So when we are seated in the fullness of God, the divine fullness of God, which is Life. In him was life. In him was light and he was the life unto men. So the light has to shine for life to be revived. Amen. So our physical address where we are, I say physical address, but it is our spiritual location and destination. It is being seated in the heart of God and God being seated in the heart of man both within the church and the community these will have absolute lasting eternal effects on what we begin to see most of us believe now especially this county Wyoming County is destined and doomed for failure and poverty I absolutely disagree and couldn't disagree more I believe that we're going to begin to see a fountain of prosperity begin to spring up in Wyoming County and we will not be able to explain it but God let me explain this to you physical location with a spiritual destination out of the heart will the mouth begin to speak I'm telling you right now we are physically located at 555 Laurel Branch Road but at the mouth of the holler it says 7 over 4 somebody missed it <laughs> I knew you would. That's why I had time to explain it. Because out of the heart will the mouth begin to speak. And what God begins to permeate in this sanctuary and in your sanctuary, you will begin to declare over your community because God is going to put something in your heart that will ultimately proceed out of your mouth. Five, five. Listen, I'm telling you, y'all missing it. I know you're getting it, but maybe I'm just too excited. You know. They see him up camp meeting. I don't really run like the rest of them, those, those guys. But I'm telling you, I'm running with this. I'm running with this. Because guess what? I'm not telling you to sit there and cry and soak up your tears until Jesus comes back. I'm telling you to get up out of your muck and your mire and your pig pen and start declaring goodness and life and the Zoe of God, the one who is the giver of life into your community. If you're looking into dead situations, begin to expect life and declare life in it. Because I'm telling you, he's beginning to... Cardia, the center of all physical and spiritual life. It is also defined as the seat of all spiritual life. And spiritual perfection, seven over four, is on the sign at the mouth of the holler. 
And guess what is going to happen? We are going to begin to receive grace within our hearts. And our mouth, as a consequence, is going to begin to speak things into our community. And dead bones will begin to rise again. Corpses will begin to have heartbeats again. And they will begin to stand up on their own feet again. And we will begin to see reproduction and revival and resurrection taking place. Because God came alive on the inside of your heart. The Father's got to be the center. The Father's got to be the center. The Father's got to be the center. And guess what? We're losing sons because the Father has not been the center. We're losing daughters because God has not been the center. Guess who makes up our community? Sons and daughters. Guess what's happening to abandoned sons and daughters? They're being picked up on the street. Guess what happens to abandoned sons and daughters that have no home to go to? They get picked up on the street, either by gangs or different communities. Hmm? Understand me now? Understand me? Understand me? Want to know why your kids are falling away? You want to know why our communities are hidden or are, 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 are hidden within the darkness or plagued with darkness? You want to know why I'm telling you why I'm telling you why? I've told you all of, for the last five years. One of the things that I began to preach when I was a young minister, that if we can peer into a community that is in corruption, it's due to a church that's in disruption. What is disruption? Chaos. Why is it chaotic? Because we're trying to find ourselves in every other place and heart but the heart of the Father and the home of Abba. Come on, somebody. Y'all can be seated. Hmm? Why have we not encountered the heart of the Father? I'm going to go back to the first initial statement that I made. Because some of us have not pursued the Father's heart hard enough. What happens, though, to a community when the church begins to pursue the heart of Abba? It changes everything. It changes. It changes the scope of history. And it brings everything into the subjection of the will of the Father. I'm about to give you something else right here real quick. This is going to blow your mind. Second Corinthians five. And then I'm gonna let you go. We got listen, happy Father's Day. Don't run off. I'm not going. It's not gonna be it's not gonna be bad. Don't run off. When I was a kid, Daddy said, don't run off. Kind of meant something was coming. Just kidding. I'm going to start with 16, verse 5 of Second Corinthians. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. 17 says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Do you want me to tell you what the community needs? It needs Christ. Do you know what Christ is? Christ is a community. Hmm? He is a body of like-minded believers. Or I, Let me say it this way. He is a body of like-minded followers. Followers that begin to model and pattern their life after the life of the one he lived. Man. The word new is kainos, 
which literally means unworn. Not only is it new, it's never been worn. Which brought me to Luke chapter 15, verse 22, when it says that the father told the servant to go get the best robe. The word for best is protos, which literally means first. And the Lord began to share something with me in this revelation. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are done away with. Behold, all things are made new. It means that you are now appearing as one that has never been worn. Why? Because Romans 13 and 14 says, Put ye on Christ Jesus and make no provisions for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Do you, and and let, me, let, me, let me, if we go to uh, Luke chapter 15, when it says the best robe, protos, which literally means first. When we put on Jesus, we are then identified as sons. We are identified as new sons. We are identified as beloved sons in newness. And it is the grace of God that allows us to be identified in the newness of the identity of Jesus. Now, here's where I'm going to blow your mind. I hope it blows your mind the way that it blows my mind. We, if we also read the scripture, I think it's either in 2 Corinthians 5 or 1 Corinthians 15. But either way, we'll go back and look at it later. It talks about because of the sin of one man. All humanity has sinned, and but because of the sacrifice of another man, Jesus, and we put those into the first Adam and the second Adam. Well, guess what? Because of the sins of the first, the second had to came along to cover up the sins of the first, but the second was before. So how's that possible? It's the same way that the new was always the first, but it can't be the new if it was the first because everything after the first has always got to be the newest, not so in the kingdom. Did I confuse everybody? Because I know that sounds pretty confusing. Huh? Let me, let me, let me try this again. Jesus is the second Adam. Adam is the first Adam. And because of the sins of the first Adam, we all put on tainted and tarnished clothes. But because of the sacrifice of Jesus, the second Adam, he covered up the sins that tarnished us from the first Adam. But the, but the new one was always the first one because the new one was before the first one. I, I know that's making it probably hard. But what happens is, is we, we begin to think that everything that is new has got to be something that has never been seen before. But you've got to understand that when you are made new, you are made identical to the very first one. Jesus because the second was before the first in the kingdom somebody say amen <laughs> so when we understand that he has applied himself to me I now walk in the identity in which he has applied to me which is newness and the newness is actually the one which was before from the beginning of time come on Come on, your story is endless. Would you say amen to that? Come on, your story is endless. Is that good? Is that good enough to close on? If not, I can go a little bit further. All things are become new, kainos. Get the best robe, the protos, the first, the chief, the very beginning. Listen, 
in your understanding. If I create a, a coat and I hang it on a hanger, and then I create a second and a third and a fourth and a fifth. Every time I create one, the one that I have previously created becomes newer than the one that I created beforehand. Or I should say the one that I'm creating now is newer than the one I created previously, but not in the kingdom. The very next one is the newest one, and it is the first one. Hmm? Because from the beginning... Everything is created new. Once you come in, do you understand? Let me tell you that your story begins, lasts forever, but your story never really began until you found yourself in Jesus, the first one. So your story is being renewed every day. Your identity is being renewed every day. Listen, there's nothing you can do to refresh your identity. Guess what? Because your identity is the pig pen. That's what we've made it, and it's stagnant. But there is a newness of life, and that is Jesus, the giver of life. He is giving himself to you. How can I prove this? I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Come on, somebody. He applied himself to you so that you could walk in his identity. But guess what? We're not walking in his identity. We're not walking in the newness of life. I mean, let me, let me explain it to you. Let me prove it to you. Why? Because I'm, we begin to act out of old behaviors. Hmm? Come on. Go back, everybody, for just 30, let's say 30 seconds. I want you to think about the first three minutes, the, the, the first three months of your life after giving it to Jesus. Now, I want you to think about the last three months and tell me if those three months mirror one another. Hmm? Because we've got to die out to the old daily so that we could be reborn and refreshed and revived in the new daily, the newness of Jesus and his identity, his personality, his image, and his likeness. Let's, let's say this as a, as a community. Every morning, let's strive to not put our feet on the ground until we've touched his heart with our prayers. Lead me in this day to be more like you. Lead me in this day to be more like you and less like myself. Teach me to be more like you this day and less like myself. Have anybody ever had to pray that? I pray it all the time. Help me to be more like you. Than less like me. Because guess what? When you get up without acknowledging that you need him more and less of you, John the Baptist, I must decrease so that he could increase. Do you see that how that, that comes together and comes into play? Do you let me let me let me put this into perspective? When I wake up, I, I wake up a lot of the times in an old identity. Burdened, thrown away, discarded. Because it takes me a while. I, I'm, I'm just a procrastinator. I'm, I mean, I really, I am a slow beginner, a slow starter, but a very well finisher. And I've had two confirmations of that. That's not me making, a, 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 a defining my own personality. 
I've had people prophesy that into my life. You're, you're, you're a slow starter, but you finish well. You're a slow starter, but you're a strong finisher. And I am a strong finisher, and I will finish it. Why? Because he's faithful. And I will see everything. Listen, I've been going back and looking over the prophecies that I've spoken to this church over the last five years, and I've not lost hope on any of them. What I've done in the last couple of days is I've sparked a new vigor to start declaring those prophecies again with a freshness and a newness. Hmm? Here's, the, here's the difference. Everything I speak into this church, I've got documentation that I spoke it into this church. And I can go back and look at it and review it. I've got documentation. If it's not on my Apple iPhone, it's in one of the 14 notebooks that I got back there in that closet. It's there. And I've been going back and reviewing and refreshing myself on what I've heard the Lord say pertaining this place and pertaining this community and these people and myself. And if I'm the only one that ends up on the other side, then it's all worth it because I'm not turning my back on what the Lord has said. I'm not moving my feet in the opposite direction. I'm, not, I'm going forward because I know that he is faithful. He understood when he called me I was going to, be, I was going to sit there and study it for a long time. If you've ever helped me do anything, I'll sit and look at it for 15 minutes before I say, even say a word. What do you want to do? I don't know. I wish you'd shut up and leave me alone. I said, just let me look at it. You might, hey, we, I know how to do it. And you do too. I understand that. But I just want to look at it and make sure I don't, I'm not missing something that there's, you know, because I don't want to do something over and over and over and over and be so complacent that I jump into something and something go wrong. So, Maybe I'm a procrastinator. Maybe, I'm, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm wise and I know that I need to just wait. However, nah, I can't list. I'm, I shouldn't try to make up excuses. I'm a procrastinator. But I'll sit and look at it and I'll think upon it and I'll ponder and I'll contemplate it before I ever make the first move or the initiative. I want to know that when I get started, I will finish what it is that I started because I believe that God is a finisher and the author of my faith my destiny has already been written and sealed in a book and I believe that when I get that in my heart and let it permeate out of my mouth will he begin to tell my story because he's going to prophesy through me he's going to prophesy life into things barren and dead situations through those that will allow him to come alive on the inside of their heart. Do you understand the correlation between 555 and 7 over 4? I wish I could make this up. All the people that end up developing cults all have IQ scores off the charts. Mine never made it on the chart. So this is God and not me. You got it? Amen. The sin, let me read it from my notes. The sins of the first are covered up by the last who was before. The first is yet the new. He is always the first, the last, and everything in between. Five, 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 all begin to mirror one another. But their main focus has got to be him. And when he becomes the main focus, then our lives begin to reflect the person 
the God, the deity, and the man in whom he is, Jesus. Happy Father's Day. You belong to the one named Abba. Your name is beloved son and daughter. You have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. You have received the spirit of full acceptance. Don't let the bitterness of rejection begin to make something of you that you were never created to be. Because he has fully accepted you today. He has done so, so that in you, he could apply his identity. And upon you, he could place it, his identity. He's fully accepted you, so that you could walk in this earth and mirror he who he is, as son. Amen? He is Abba. Say it with me. He is Abba. I am son. I am daughter. I'm his child. We are sons and daughters. Amen. He is Abba. Let's stand. He is a good, good father. That's who he is. And we are loved by him. That's who we are. You understand what those, those lyrics say. Loved is not what he does. It is not only what he does, but what he does becomes who you are. He loves you and you become his loved son and daughter. Son or daughter, he is Abba. How many of you this morning believe that with me? Listen, God has really began to change the way that I walk in this earth. I don't walk as servant anymore. I don't walk as prodigal anymore. I don't walk in this earth as sinner anymore. When I get up in the mornings, and I'm hoping that you begin to do this too, I don't wake up as none of those that identify me. I wake up and I walk in this earth because he has called me beloved son. Come on. I come to him as Papa. I walk into his presence as Abba. The one who loves me. I walk into his presence as Father. Great and mighty. But loves me so. As small as I am. I am so worth him to him walk in that identity I know let me share this with you you will never walk in that identity appropriately until you begin to approach him in the identity of Papa adequately amen you will never walk as son if you don't identify him as Abba Abba in Jesus name Father, I come to you this morning and I say happy Abba's day to you. Father, may we dedicate the rest of this day solely to you because you are a good, good Father. That's who you are. And we just pray, God, that today we could honor you. God, that we could honor you sufficiently in how we honor the fathers we have here on this earth, our earthly fathers, our spiritual fathers. Father, our adopted fathers, our godfathers, whoever they may be, let us honor the fathers that you have placed in our life, that we may become the men and women and the sons and daughters in whom we are. And I pray, God, that as we honor them, it's a great honor to you that we could say, our Heavenly Father, the one we call Abba, 
hallowed be thy name. And thy kingdom come, thy will be done in my earth as it is in his heaven. We pray all of these things, God, that today you may receive the glory. God, that we would praise you, that we would worship you, and God, that we would honor you. And God, that we would share our affections upon you. Father, we love you and we graciously thank you because, God, we know, we know. We gratefully thank you, God, because we know that you are the gracious, giving Father. And I say again today before I close, happy Abba's Day. And Father, we pray that you bless all the men of this community, this church, and the community around us. Father, that you will bless all the men within this county and within this region who have been a father in some shape or form or capacity, God, to a young child, to a, to a man or a woman in need, to someone that just needed to be heard. Father, I pray that right now you honor and you bless those fathers with favor, God, as we continue throughout this day to extend our honor to you and say, Blessed Abba, hallowed be thy name. And we love you today with all of our might, with all of our soul with all of our strength. In Jesus' name, amen. I need somebody. Oh. Our vision for the Rooted Legacy podcast is that we give as much free content to God's creation as possible. However, if you've been affected by God's word and would like to give, you can do so at Tithely Online or on the Tithely app. Just search Laurel Branch Church of God. Our address is Clear Fork, West Virginia 24822. That is Tithely.ly, T-I-T-H-E dot l y thank you for listening and may god bless you and all that you do today